Welcome to the Hypnotoad Podcast on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. Sandra Zimmel coming at you again with another episode this week talking about all things TCU. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review the podcast wherever you get it. Make sure that you give us a good review and help spread the word, make the brand strong. All right, busy, busy, busy podcast. From the top, we'll go TCU signing day. We record the podcast on Wednesday afternoons. Last Wednesday, of course, was signing day. So we didn't talk about all of the uh, different signees. We're breaking down the top four today. Of course, TCU losing to Kansas State. What does that mean for the season? Have I been shaking in my confidence with this team? We'll get to that. And, of course, the Super Bowl happening this Sunday. And TCU, again, has a representative in the biggest game on the biggest stage. So we'll talk about that. And I might give out a couple of Valentines as well. So you want to listen to the entire podcast for that. All right, here it is. It's TCU signing day. All right, we'll start from the top here. Disclaimer, I am not somebody who drinks the juice when it comes to recruiting rankings. I'm just not. I've never bought into it. I sometimes think that the composite rankings are flawed towards Really good athletes that play at bigger schools. I think they overlook really good athletes that play at smaller schools as well. And then sometimes you might be the second or third best player on a 6A school who has a decent schedule. You end up losing in the second round of the Texas high school football playoffs. One of the the hardest, I think it's the hardest amateur tournament in America is the Texas high school football playoffs. Sometimes your team doesn't succeed. Your ranking gets adjusted for that. And then versus sometimes... You right, go to a two-way school, you're great, your team's not, you get overlooked. Point is, is sometimes the stars don't matter. But if you're somebody that drinks the juice, if you're somebody that looks at the crystal ball all the time, and you're on the websites, you're on the message boards, and you judge a signing class off of how many stars show up in the class, then I have really good news for you. TCU succeeded in that department as well. They have the 20th ranked signing class according to 24-7 Sports. Now, you might look at that and say 20th. Come on, Zimmel. What does that mean? The 20th class? We just played the national championship. Why should I get excited for the 20th class? I wanted to be a top 10 class. And I get that. I understand where you'd be frustrated. However, of these schools that are in the Big 12 and they're going to be in the Big 12 for the foreseeable future, TCU being one of them, they have the best class. I do not consider Texas and Oklahoma in the Big 12 anymore. I have already divorced them from my psyche. They're done. They're a guest who's overstayed their welcome in the conference, the prestigious Big 12 that had a representative in the national championship. Before Oklahoma and Texas, TCU got there first. Keep blowing up Twitter with that, Hypnotoad fans. Continue to troll and rally with that as our big logo, our big battle cry. TCU did it first. Never forget that. Now, okay, the recruiting class is behind Texas and Oklahoma, and sure, they're behind a couple of Big Ten schools, including, but not limited to, Ohio State and Michigan. The number one class in the Big 12 is still something to be excited about. Eight four-star recruits in this group, and out of those, I have highlighted the four, in my opinion, most important. So we're talking about the good of the recruiting class first, And then we have two things that I want to mention at the back end when we talk about the signing class. So the number one player in this class, in my opinion, is wide receiver Cordell Russell, who comes in after having a very good high school season, and he might be the best receiver in an already loaded receiver room for TCU. Now, I understand with the departure of Davis and uh, Johnson going to the NFL draft, 
I understand that many people would say that TCU lost a lot of talent. I agree. I think losing talent to the NFL draft is something that might hurt TCU in the long run. But when you sign a guy like Russell, who has a very good frame, who had a very good season, nine touchdown uh, receptions, 34 catches in his uh, season, and had a very good uh, All-American Bowl. I watched the clips. I watched the game on YouTube today. And I can tell you right now, fans, that this is a guy who's going to be able to come in and contribute immediately. Something that TCU might need. I like it. I like the route running and I like the speed. That's something else. You can teach route running. You can teach any. I, I think that you can teach most good athletes how to run crisp routes. It just takes practice. It takes determination. And it just takes reps to get good route running. Speed is something you cannot teach. Size is something you cannot teach. When you put all three together, you have an all-conference type player. Now, is Cordell Russell going to be an all-conference player his freshman year? Maybe not. I would argue probably not. He probably will not make all-conference. Is he somebody that in the future, when we're talking about impact players on this TCU team, I think for sure he will be an impact player. And that's kind of what we're going off of here, especially, especially, especially when you look at recruiting classes, you're not only looking at what are they going to do this season in 2023, what are they going to do in 2025, 2026? I think Russell's somebody that's going to make an important uh, impact. So that's one. That is the only offensive player that I've highlighted from this class because the defensive side of the ball is the part of the ball that TCU needed the most help on. You looked at the bowl games. You looked at the back half of the season. The defense was the thing that I think really needs to step up, and the help is on the way. Call the Calvary. Up front in the trenches, it's DeMarcus Deal. He's the top defensive recruit in this class, listed six foot four, 290. You know how I love my big boys. 290 pounds. It's supposed to help. He's supposed to help uh, TCU up front. I mentioned the back half of the season. Well, look at the back half of the season that TCU had last year. Against teams that ran the ball, the defense, which was very good, looked beatable. And that's not what something that's something TCU wants to do, uh, correct in this class, I believe. Major boost if he can make the jump into Division One football immediately. Cornerback uh, Channing Canada, we talked about him a little bit uh, earlier this offseason, the JUCO corner with a high ceiling, one of the highest ceilings in the uh, JUCO class this season. Canada had a chance to start in the spring. He has a chance to be a starter Come fall, more importantly, he was ranked top five for Juco Corners by 24-7 Sports. Again, not something that I put a ton of onus on, but something that I, uh, I I do pay attention to. Also, Mason White, another Juco Corner. Size. That is what this defensive class really uh, has hammered home on. What the recruits wanted for TCU is size on the defensive side of the ball. What you want out of your corners, as more and more wide receivers get bigger, faster, stronger, You've seen the corner position continue to stay undersized. And I think that the new brand, the new breed of NFL defensive backs and in extension to that college football defensive backs has to be, can we put a bigger frame on wide receivers? Can we put a bigger frame when tight ends are going out for passes? Well, good news. White is six foot one, has great cover skills, has a chance to compete for the two deep. He's a player that I am highlighting because I think that most fans, I think that most sites have overlooked uh, Mason White. I think that that's somebody that in a couple of weeks, maybe in a couple, maybe even a year, is somebody that is going to go unheralded. People aren't going to be talking about him nearly as much as they should when we talk about the defensive side of the ball for the Horn Frogs. All right, that is the pros. I wanted to get all of that out of the way because I'm very high on this class. 
However, there are two big things, glaring flaws, I would even argue, from this recruiting class. And you know them, but I'm going to put them on the record here. These are two things that might come back to bite TCU. We'll start with the first one. Losing on Jaden Rashada. That is something that TCU fans have been complaining about for a week now. I have seen the tweets. I as well have said that this was a big miss by the uh, Horn Frog recruiting staff, losing out on a quarterback like that, somebody that can come in and immediately make an impact potentially or have a redshirt season make an impact next year. Losing out on Rashada is something that... <laughs> If it goes the way that a lot of TCU fans think it's going to go, and he is the type of player that we think he's going to be as a collective, then that's going to hurt. If, however, TCU continues to do what they did with Max Duggan, continues to do what they do with a lot of these quarterbacks that are kind of unheralded and churn out NFL prospects, churn out guys who can be all Big 12, and shoot, even get a chance to go to New York for a Heisman ceremony or a Davey O'Brien ceremony, I, I think that... TCU is fine, but that is something that is going to haunt fans if Rashad turns into a a NFL-level quarterback. Uh, That's something that's going to hurt. The other thing, and this is something I do not put a lot of onus on, I want to put that Larry neon flag here, or neon sign. I don't think that this is the biggest deal in the world. TCU fans are going to say it's a big deal. I do want to address it. No five stars in the recruiting class. Now, this offseason and the way the college football is working now is that the transfer portal is very much wide open for every single player on every single team across the country. Head coaches know it. Assistant coaches know it. GAs know it. Fans know it. That players move with frequency, move with ease, like we have never seen it before. I would argue, never in the history of sports, go back to the Gladiators, has it been this easy to move from one professional franchise to another, to move from one college to another. It is so easy now for players across the board. I think the hardest would be for a high school athlete who has to tell his parents, hey, I want to move to the town or the school across town, and the parents have to sign out all the paperwork. I would say that high schoolers have it harder now than some college athletes do when it comes to transferring and moving. Like, did you see that some of these colleges are moving uh, the academic workloads around so that they can accept more credits? I promise you that is not for the engineering major. That is not for the liberal arts major. That's for the football player. That's for the quarterback who wants to switch schools. So not signing a top or a five-star recruit in this class, in my opinion, is not the biggest deal in the world. However, it is something that other schools in the Big 12, it is something that other uh, uh, campuses, other fan bases are going to have something to say about. They're going to call a loss. I don't think that that is completely fair to say that it is an L in this recruiting class. It's not a glaring fall in, or flaw, in my opinion, on the recruiting class, but it is something that needs to be addressed. All right. Speaking of things that need to be addressed, the confidence that I had in uh, Horn Frog basketball. Oh, brother. I am wavering a little bit. I would say the panic level is not nearly where it is for other people. For me, I still believe that this TCU team has a lot of, uh, lot of good things happening. 
And I do not think that the door is completely closed, we'll put it that way, on a chance to win the Big 12 and for sure get into the uh, NCAA tournament. I think that is still very much on the table, especially when you look at all the at-large bids. And you, if you go to Bracketology on ESPN, which I believe is one of the best places to go when you look at the projected who's going to be in, who's going to be out, TCU is still projected to make the cut currently. Now, things can change. And I'm getting very antsy about Mike Miles Jr. still not suiting up. Still is dealing with a knee injury. The loss last night to Kansas State was a bad loss in many ways. An 82-61 loss to the Wildcats. Wildcats are turning into a rival. I don't know if you guys have agreed. I don't know if this is something that maybe maybe I'm the person behind the eight ball on this. I look at Kansas State now as a rival on the football field, on the basketball court, on the baseball diamond. They're going to be a team that I'm circling as like, oh. Don't want to face them, or maybe I do to get my fangs into them, right? Maybe I want to face Kansas State. I feel shaky. The terrible loss last night, 19 turnovers, 13 of them in the first half. Again, again, the game was in Manhattan, Kansas, taking on Kansas State, a team that TCU beat earlier in the season on their home floor, on TCU's home floor in Fort Worth. (sighs) TCU was able to claw back in the second half. They cut the lead down to two. But they did not lead, TCU did not lead any time after about the six-minute mark uh, in the first half. Not something that you love to see. Another thing you don't love to see is the box score for Eddie Lupkin, who had zero points in 18 minutes of action. The big man for the Frogs not doing what needed to be done. Leading scorer last night was Damian Blah with uh, uh, scoring 16 points for TCU. Again, no Mike Miles Jr., Something that I am not thrilled by, to say the least. Now, I said my confidence level. Where do I? How do I feel about this team? I was very confident last week. I was very confident two weeks ago when I told you about TCU basketball, and I said, "Look, the men's team has a very good shot, if not a great shot, of making some moves, making some things happen." But the way that Texas has been playing, Kansas, and now Kansas State, TCU feels like the fourth team in a pretty competitive field. Now we'll see what it looks like. In the uh, end of this month, when the NCAA, well, let me rephrase that. We'll see what it looks like when the Big 12 tournament shakes out. Because if TC wins the Big 12, then all of this is for nothing. And Mike Miles, maybe he's just getting his uh, knee rested for the tournament at the end of the year. I think that there's a pretty good shot at that. You know, why play somebody in a regular season game and potentially aggravate or injure the knee more when you could rest him now, take your lumps against Kansas State now? go into the NCAA tournament, or go into the Big 12 tournament, I should say, and have a good shot at winning the thing. You like the odds of that happening. You would rather win the Big 12, get that automatic bid, potentially have a higher seeding. Right now, I think that they're listed as a 4 or 5 seed. You win the Big 12, you're probably going to be a top 3 seed in whatever uh, bracket they put you in, or whatever uh, division they put you in in the bracket. So we will see. Uh, we'll see what TCU men's basketball does. Again, optimistic. My faith will not be shaken in this team. However, the panic level is it's not registering. The needle is moving. All right, let's move on. Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday. I know everybody has it on their calendar. Valentine's Day, though, two days afterwards. Just a reminder, folks, Valentine's Day is the 14th. This is next Tuesday. So if you have a horned frog in your life that you love, or maybe you don't love them, you just like them, Balloons, chocolate, it's all on the table, I think. This Valentine's Day, go all out. 
Super Bowl, though, on Sunday, and that's what I think a lot of us have in mind. So, TCU, for the ninth time in the past 10 years, has a player in the big game. Former TCU offensive lineman, standout Lucas Nyang. He's the ninth player in 10 years playing the Super Bowl, and he takes the field for the Kansas City Chiefs. Already, I was rooting for Kansas City. This just adds to it. All right. Nang was a third-round pick in 2020. Started 12 games last season for Kansas City. Did not allow a sack in his final two seasons at TCU and was a four-year letterman and Big 12, all Big 12, in 2018. So congratulations to him and congratulations to Kansas City making it to the uh, Super Bowl. All right. Let's talk about the Super Bowl because we have two former All-Big 12 players. Jalen Hurts in 2019, he was a first-team member. And, of course, Patrick Mahomes in 2016, he was a second-team member. Would you believe it if I told you that Jalen Hurts had a more successful Big 12 career than Patrick Mahomes? Mahomes led the FBS in passing yards in 2016, the year before he was drafted. But it just seems so weird, right? It is just a, a head-scratcher, to say the least, that when you look at these two guys, I saw the argument all week leading up to this week, or I should say last week. The argument was, who gets to claim Jalen Hurts? Is it Oklahoma fans who got him for that All-Big 12 season in 2019, or is it Alabama fans who get to claim him for the 2016 season that he had where he was All-SEC? Who gets to claim him? I personally think both sides have just as much of a shot. If anything, I think maybe Alabama fans might have a little bit more of a argument for him to be claimed because he did pick there to go to school first. He went to a national championship with Alabama, whereas in Oklahoma, more of individual success. So if you're an Alabama fan who doesn't root for the name on the back of the jersey, just the front of the jersey, I get that. If you're an Oklahoma fan, I think that a lot of Oklahoma fans at this point, more rooting for the name on the back of the jersey, rooting for the Mayfields, the Kyler Murrays, the Jalen Hurtses versus, you know, the name on the front of the jersey. I think a lot of Oklahoma fans... Kind of wishy-washy, if you're asking me. I'm going with Kansas City in the Super Bowl. Not because I think that they're the better team. I think that they might be. But because Patrick Mahomes is Big 12 football. Patrick Mahomes encompasses everything that we love as college football fans. And as fans of the Big 12, he encompasses all of that. The gunslinger mentality. Played his high school ball in Texas. Played his college ball at Texas Tech in Lubbock. I would not wish that on my worst enemy to live in Lubbock, Texas. And the facts are is that he is the best quarterback to play at Texas Tech. He is the best player in college athletics never to win anything. No individual awards, no team success, and I blame all of that on Cliff Kingsbury. All of that goes on the shoulders of Cliff Kingsbury. I'm rooting for Kansas City in this one. A bunch of different gambling parlays you can put. If you're going to gamble, please gamble responsibly. Uh... I would go with Patrick Mahomes for Super Bowl MVP. I'm going with uh, the Chiefs to win the whole thing. Lastly, want to say Valentine's Day. Giving out some Valentines, of course, got to give one to Sonny Dykes for all of he uh, his, all of the different awards that he got this season. Also, just a cute teddy bear. Giving him a Valentine. Giving a Valentine to my guy, Mike Miles Jr. He needs a kiss on the boo-boo on the knee. Hopefully, he feels better. And I'm giving a Valentine to you guys, the listeners. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The podcast continues to grow, continues to grow. And the way that you can help it grow is by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast, thank you for listening. Please continue to support. 
That'll do it for the Hypnotoad podcast on the Harlan College Sports Podcast Network. We'll talk to you guys next week about all things TCU.